Atlas Butler is built to keep you comfortable, and our plumbing services are no exception. You can rely on Atlas Butler for trusted, convenient plumbing and drain service. Our expert plumbers and drain specialists can take care of anything, from a broken water heater to a clogged drain. Call today, get it fixed today. That's our pledge to you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so I have five letters here just for everyone out in Broncos country today. R E. L A X. Relax. It's time for Cover Two Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. And with that, welcome back to another episode of Cover Two Broncos. I'm Jeff Essery. And I am Joe Rowles. And uh, we are in June. Happy Aaron Rodgers month, Joe. Has he been traded yet? <laughs> Wait, let me check really quick because I, I mean, I don't want to miss it. I know once June 1st hit for me that I started scrolling Twitter and seeing, but I know, um, you know, everybody's going to be tuned in pretty heavily during this month. And for those that, um, hasn't haven't heard so after june uh really june 2nd i guess is the technical date so this will go out what the the pod will go out tomorrow so we're recording this on the second and so today was the day that anyone designated the team can designate you as a post june one cut and so this is the day that aaron Rodgers could technically be traded or cut by the green bay packers and it um have better uh, at least a better effect on their salary cap. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about June. Um, and again, this is this being June 2nd, as we kind of record this, I think this is worth mentioning just that. Uh, so the Packers, uh, in re-signing Robert Tanya in their tight end, they, they 
they kind of manipulated the cap number to try and they tacked on four voidable years to try and save money for this year. And NFL Network's Tom Pelissaro has speculated that because the Packers are up against the cap, they're doing these kind of moves because they are hoping to hold on to Aaron Rodgers. Because if they were open to trading Aaron Rodgers, they would free up a little bit over $16 million just by moving him. And again, there are a lot of people in Broncos country going kind of crazy about the speculation there because it's coming from Tom Pelissaro. But I got to, I got to again say like, yes, the Packers are probably planning on trying to keep Aaron Rodgers. I am also planning on winning the lottery tomorrow. <laughs> so there's, there's two parties in that equation exactly. is the point for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the other point and, and Benjamin Albright made this point on Twitter is that the, the Packers had already offered Aaron Rodgers a, a big deal to make him, I think, you know, the highest paid quarterback at the, um, yep. in the NFL, he was upwards of $40 million. Right. Yep. And Aaron Rodgers turned it down. And so you don't turn down $40 million and the highest paid player at your position, if you plan on staying. And so the green Bay Packers have that to deal with, so they can do whatever they want. They can move, shuffle things around and, and all of that in anticipation of maybe keeping him because they would need to do that if they're going to keep him on the roster. But ultimately, it comes down to whatever Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers can work out together. And so, yep. just as that is, just that is a caveat. If you do look at the Packers' salary cap, though, and I haven't dug like super deeply into it, but just pulling it up at a cursory glance, they are pretty um, cap strapped currently. So yes. their estimated cap space currently by Spot Track is under is negative nineteen. But that's not top fifty-one, obviously. So top fifty-one is six about six million, and I don't believe they've signed their rookies yet either. And so, I mean, this move could honestly just be a freeing up space to sign rookies. And teams usually like to have at least a couple million dollar buffer within the season in case somebody goes down or something like that, or somebody goes down in camp. And so, this move probably would have happened regardless. And so, I do think it's probably reading into it a little bit too much to say, oh, this move has any effect on the Rodgers negotiations and all of that. And kind of like my last big point on Aaron Rodgers before we kind of move to actual players on the Broncos roster, I hope. Um, it could happen at any time. Obviously, like for all I know, by the time we finish cutting and recording all this tonight, we'll wake up tomorrow and Aaron Rodgers a Bronco. I don't expect it, but it could happen. Um, I think the Packers are going to try hard and play hardball. But it also seems like Aaron Rodgers is going to try to play hardball. Um, the big date to kind of keep in mind, if we're looking kind of ahead into June, is June 8th. Uh, June 8th for the Packers is the start of their mandatory uh, veteran minicamp. Um, so there's required attendance. Like right now, Aaron Rodgers is skipping OTAs, but it's all voluntary. Like Kyle Fuller is skipping OTAs. No one cares. Melvin Gordon has skipped at, uh, OTAs. And granted, there are people in Broncos country making a big stink about it, but it's voluntary. Like, he's not going to get fined by that. Um, if Aaron Rodgers skips that minicamp on June 8th, though, uh, all three days of it, the Packers can actually fine him up to $93,000 for it. Um, and again, if they're trying to keep Aaron Rodgers in the fold, it'll be interesting to see if they fine him, just because, like, that's probably not a way to kind of, like, extend an olive branch to your troubled MVP. So, like, we'll see. 
Um, but that's kind of like where we're at right now. It's just kind of hurry up and wait. We don't really know what's going to happen. I still, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play for the Packers, I don't think he's going to retire. I don't think the Packers, like, I don't think it, it really behooves the Packers to sit on him, force him to retire, and then have to, like, in five years when he goes into the Hall of Fame, have him basically, like, he's not going to forgive them for that. Like, knowing everything we know about Aaron Rodgers, like, that would be very awkward. And granted, I don't think the Packers are going to trade him just because of that. But I do think that that kind of stuff matters at this point. Like, they're better off recouping something for him than just sitting on it and collecting money. And again, like, we'll see. So I'm not I'm not saying this hoping that he's going to come here. Obviously, I yeah, I hope the Broncos trade for him. But we'll, we'll see, I guess. Like, in the meantime, though... I have heard that Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater look very good in OTAs. In yeah, as uh, most people do in shorts and seven on sevens and all of that. But no, I, that's I, I'm being too skeptical. Um, it is good to hear at least some positive reports coming out of camp, and um, I think from from what I've seen, Teddy Bridgewater and Jerry Judy have a pretty good connection so far in camp, which is a good thing. Um, I think Judy actually is a, a great fit with a guy like Teddy, if they can get their timing down. Um, and with the, you know, Judy's release particularly and Teddy Bridgewater's kind of, um, you know, tendency to work the, the shallow to intermediate routes and his ball placement. I think he and Jerry Judy should find some good chemistry. And, you know, if Bridgewater is in the being the guy, is going to play the majority of snaps at quarterback in Denver. I think that'd be a good connection point for sure. And I think that's a good kind of like segue into like the camp battles we care about. Um, again, again, it's very early. Like obviously like we're not even in camp. Like we're, you know, we got like 90 days before the first cut down. I think a little bit less now. Uh, I'm not looking at the calendar, but I think the quarterback position is obviously going to be the thing that sucks all the air out of the room. Um, but I also think quarterback, like, Outside of the starting quarterback position on the Broncos, there's only really, at least barring injury, it looks like there's two other, like, starting positions that may be up for grabs, in my opinion. Um, So, like, obviously, yeah, quarterback's going to be important. It's probably defying the Broncos' season. If Again, if they don't trade for Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's a big quarterback competition, right? So, outside of the Rodgers thing, let's assume that doesn't happen or just take that out of the picture – this is really the it's 90 days from now that Drew Locke has an opportunity to really show what he has, you know, and and we've talked about this before. I think the team is taking a different approach this off season. George Payton had made that clear when he came in that Drew Locke was going to be working for his job for this one. Whereas last year it was, it was very clear from the outset, hey, he's our guy. We're going to give him the keys. We're going to see how he does. Obviously, there's all the stuff that happened last year. We'll get to that, right, because of Peyton Manning's comments and all that. I think there's some interesting conversation we can have there of what happened last offseason. We all know that. But this year, it's very it's very different. It's very much a we're going to split the reps. We're going to throw the entire playbook at both these guys, as Vic Fangio said in his press conference just a couple of days ago. And we'll see what happens. Now, you know, I've been on record saying I hate quarterback competitions. I think it just ends up stealing reps and snaps away from whoever is going to end up being the guy. And so you're going into 
you're going into the season against teams like Patrick Mahomes that have continuity all throughout their offseason program, and you've just given your guy 50% of the snaps to work with your receivers and in your offense. But it is what it is because there's no other good way at this point for Denver to figure out who their quarterback is other than just throwing, just saying Drew Locke's the guy again for another season. I don't think anybody wants to do that. And so I do think as much as I hate quarterback competitions, it is a smart approach to give Drew Locke 90 days and camp to see what he can do against Teddy Bridgewater. And we'll see who's the starter come week one. But you're right. This is the defining kind of next couple months for the Broncos season upcoming. Well, and I think I speak for you and me when I say that I hope as a Broncos fan, first and foremost, I hope whoever the best quarterback is wins the competition. I people like if it's like my whole thing kind of going into this, I've started to kind of start to go back over Teddy Bridgewater's 2020. And I know the narrative about him. And again, like I'm guilty of this as well. So like, I'm not saying I'm innocent by any means of kind of like putting him in a box of like, he's safe. He's risk averse. He's not exciting. There's no, like I've, I've said all, I've said variations of these things, which is one of the reasons why I actually dating back to before the draft, I actually had Teddy Bridgewater ranked below Drew Locke as like the guy I hope Denver ends up starting this year. And one of the reasons for that was the idea that I don't think, first of all, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater solves the position long-term because unless he like hits a new level of play, I don't think the Broncos would commit to him beyond this season. Um, The other part of it is that I, and again, like I went into my film study thinking these things. I don't think he necessarily, or I didn't think necessarily that he brings enough to the deep game to really take advantage of Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. I am now four games into watching his tape of 2020. I plan to watch all of it for two reasons. First of all, I want to watch Teddy Bridgewater, but also, and again, like I'm not rooting for this, but if Fangio is fired, I think Joe Brady is going to make sense as a potential candidate or we'll see him floated as a potential candidate. And I'm curious if he actually lives up to that hype because he, he has that hype based around the LSU offense from 2019 and it's a completely different animal in the NFL. So like, that's a whole nother thing. Like I'm not discussing that, but, but that's why with the two reasons why I'm watching all this film, watching Teddy Bridgewater so far, I think it's easy to kind of overlook the fact that a Carolina last year was his first year starting the whole season since he actually almost lost his leg. Like, and again, like I'm not overstating that he thought at one point he was going to have to have his leg amputated. So like, that's a big deal. Um, yes, he's played in starts. Like he started, came in for Drew Brees when Drew Brees got hurt. He was a, like came in for week 17, two years ago, like all this stuff. Like, again, I'm not saying he never played before, but just like Drew Locke, he came into net last season, no OTAs, no preseason, new team, new coordinator. And again, he had known Joe Brady, but he had not worked with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. So the system was different and the, and the play calls were different than what he had had with Sean Payton. And again, I'm not trying to talk up Tabor Joe. I'm just saying these are realistic things to remember going into this competition. Like there is a decent reason to believe that Teddy Bridgewater is going to look better than what he looked like on the Carolina Panthers tape. Again, in my mind, because in all those things I just mentioned, but on top of that, the Carolina Panthers were sneaky, really bad last year. Like 
if they I don't had, even think they were sneaky really bad. They were just not very bad. good. If they all. had not yeah. signed Teddy Bridgewater, they were probably going to be one of the three teams fighting for Trevor Lawrence. Like, and I'm again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Bridgewater. I'm just saying, realistically, I thought they were going to be a team fighting Jacksonville for the first pick of the draft last year. And then they signed Bridgewater, and I thought they ruined it. Because he's tank-proof. He's... I, and again, this is a realistic assessment based off four games. So, like, this may change. I think he's probably sitting around what we think Kirk Cousins is, like the common narrative of Kirk Cousins. He's good enough to win with if your team is decent around him, but he's not going to carry a bad team. He's probably about league average as a starter. That said... You look at the pa- the quarterbacks the Broncos have had. That means he's probably the best quarterback we've seen since at least Case Keenum. And I'm I not- was going to go back to the Case Keenum connection just because I feel like that's probably the closest. Um, like, that's probably the most realistic. I don't want to say ceiling or even floor, but that's like if I was going to put money on it right now. I mean, and you just pull up those numbers. Like Denver finished 15th in DVOA that year. Yep. In their offense. So they were literally league average offense. They had a really good, they had a good running game that year too. I believe that that was the year Lindsay broke out, right? Yep. 18. Yeah. So, so they had a strong running game that year, but, and, and Case Keenum's metrics don't look good at all, but he, to your point, he probably was the best quarterback Denver's had since the post in the post Peyton Manning era. And so he's probably a, a safe benchmark for what you would potentially see out of Teddy Bridgewater. That said, I, I do agree with you too from a long-term perspective that right now, and we've talked about this a lot with Drew Locke and where he's at in his career and, and all of that. I think like if this would have happened last year, I would have said, I want Drew Locke to start regardless of like, like I liked the way Denver approached it. I'm glad they didn't have a quarterback competition because he was young enough and we hadn't seen enough out of him we we just you wanted to see him start right this year i think i agree with your point and not just because like you weren't you weren't being trite i don't think when you said i want the best quarterback to start right like everybody wants well, the, right you, i agree with your point because it's it, at this point in where denver's at as a franchise they they need just the best quarterback to start because you're not like if drew lock can't win the competition he's not really in a spot where you're going to keep him next year anyway. Like you're, he's past the point of if he doesn't have it this year, you're not going to hang on to him and hope he develops into something next year. Like he's not getting another shot next year around. So at this point, Denver needs to just go with whoever they think is going to give them the best chance to win games. And they need to win games this year. Let's be honest. Vic Fangio has not won games in his first two years as a head coach. And so he needs to win games just to stay on as a head coach. Like the fans are just not in a spot. And I think George Payton is not in a spot where he wants to continue three straight years of five games, one each year. Yep. Well, and, and, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to necessarily be like a smart ass or anything. But like my whole point is like with what I've seen from Bridgewater so far, and again, we can dive deep into like all the like faults and stuff I've seen, but again, I, I need to watch more. But, like, my whole point is if if Teddy Bridgewater comes into this as, like, let's say around 16th best quarterback in the league, for Drew Locke to start, he needs to be at least that good or in that ballpark and offer enough promise that he'll improve to start. And that's good. That's good for everybody. Like, he's not going to get it handed to him, I you know, hopefully. 
And the idea is if he earns it, he actually is going to be around a league average starter or better, which would be great for the rest of the roster because, I mean, and I think you and I agree on this. Like, you look at the rest of the roster, and again, a lot of young players have to develop, but on paper, this roster looks basically good enough to win games in the postseason at every spot outside of two right now, on my opinion. Yeah, and I think we've said this before, and I think it still holds true, is that outside of the Aaron Rodgers scenario, right, the best-case scenario for Broncos fans is that Drew Locke is a starting quarterback. And I say that, you know, along with all of the criticism that I've put towards Drew Locke during last year is because that would mean he has overtaken Teddy Bridgewater. And we feel like we have a good, pretty good idea of where Teddy Bridgewater would benchmark within this offense. I think he's a good fit for Shermer's offense. Same. I think he's a solid quarterback. Same. And so that would mean – and I think the Broncos feel that way too. Like they don't have a particular affinity to Locke. So that would mean if Drew Locke gets the start, it means he clearly earned it. He clearly showed more than Teddy Bridgewater did in camp. And so I think that's the best case scenario if you're the Broncos, because if you are putting the two guys, like I, I hear your point on like Bridgewater, his first year as a like clear cut starter was last year. He's coming back from injury, all of that, that there's still some upside there. But I think if you're putting the two guys next to each other, Drew Locke has more quote unquote upside that yes. if he was the starter, you're thinking, okay, then, then that means he's probably realized some of this potential that everybody, that, that that's what we've been sold on, right? His potential. And so if he's the starter, that means he's coming into that and starting to realize it. And I think there is more upside with a guy like Locke than what you have with Bridgewater right now, but he's got to, he's got to get there. Right. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that just because I think that that's important to kind of like the word upside is a trap, like not, not to like critique you, but like the, the word upside in general is a trap yeah. word just because it's so yeah. vague. But like, I think like when you look at Bridgewater versus Locke, the reason upside is so true with Locke is that even, even as bad as he was last year. And again, I'll be honest, like he sucked last year, like just straight up. Um, but the thing is, even with that, he still attempted the highest percentage of deep passes in the league. And I think per PFF charting, I want to say he ranked sixth in their uh, quote unquote big time throw metric, which is like he's connecting deep downfield with guys for big plays. So like, and he has the arm talent. Like that's why people thought he was going to be a first round pick. Um, so like if those things come together and he's still good enough to beat out Bridgewater for a starting job, you would think the rough edges around his game came along enough that that stuff can shine through without the weaknesses dragging him down. And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying like, that's why it makes sense from a, like an upside standpoint to root for Locke to win this. And again, like I hope I, for that reason, I hope he does. I also do think, and again, I, I want to just say this just because I do think that like there's an oversimplification and the numbers do hint at this, that Bridgewater is a bad deep passer. I don't think Bridgewater has like the, the arm that Locke has. Like, I don't think he has the same kind of arm strength to like throw a bullet like that. But that said, like it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
he has a pretty nice deep ball when he had the time to set up and throw it last year. And I also do think, and again, I'm not making excuses for him. It's just what I've seen on tape so far. Joe Brady's red zone offense was bad. Like, just from a design standpoint, so far, I am not impressed. I've talked to Tim Jenkins about it. I have talked to other people about it. Like, this is not, like, a new thing. Like, when Bridgewater came out and said that, like, their offense, the red zone offense was a little bit wanting, he was being tactful and people ran with it anyway. But, like, he could have been a lot more critical of what happened. Like, they called a lot of vertical stretch plays. They called a lot of fades. They ran the ball way too much. Like, again, then the four games I've seen. But based on what I've seen and then what I've talked to other people about, like, that's a thing. And so, you like, really need, in, in the red zone, too, you really need your talent to come through in the tech. Yes. And the Panthers were just, they were so devoid of talent. Yeah. And their left tackle situation was so bad that, like, their left tackle situation last year was as bad as the Broncos' right tackle situation. And again, I'm not making excuses here. I'm just saying, like, that was a thing. Like, when Bridgewater did go back to, to do deep balls, that shows up. Like, he's under pressure a lot. And again, the other big issue that Bridgewater has with deep passes is he's not always willing to do it. Like there's a bit of an Alex Smith syndrome going on with that. And like, you would hope that that comes through with better receivers. And again, he's had good receivers, but he hasn't had a downfield threat like Sutton. So like, and again, that's why I just want the best player to play. And I do think that if, if, if Locke makes the strides that like one would hope he does, I do think it will be him based on promise plus like overall arm talent. Which kind of brings us to the Peyton Manning stuff. Before we go into that, I do have yeah. a question. I do have a, a a point I wanted to touch on when you talk the deep the arm talent. And we've talked this on a show at some point. I think it may have been during the Flacco days. Maybe we just talked it in articles on my Ohio Report. But I know I've written about this topic. But there's also this misnomer. I think, um, and and you and I both agree on this. I think is that like arm talent does not equal deep passing yes arm talent is and deep ball accuracy or even deep ball um like proclivity to throw the deep ball does not always equal arm talent so people you know usually look at guys you know with a big arm and they're like oh we, we'll have a deep game with him and really the we, what you're looking at with arm talent is tight window throws and intermediate passing and hitting the seams. And a lot of that is, a, is it's just as much timing as it is arm talent and the deep balls, a guy like, like you don't need a rocket arm to throw a deep ball. I think that's the thing that, I mean, we saw freaking Peyton Manning in the day, back in the day, beautiful deep balls down the, you know, down the sideline. So I think that's the other thing too, is a lot of people, you know, they look at a guy like Bridgewater and they're like, Oh, he doesn't have the arm talent. He doesn't, you know, he can't throw the deep ball and the reverse with Locke. I think the numbers do bear out though, to your point with Locke is that he has a willingness yes. to throw deep to, in my estimation, it was almost too much of a willingness to throw deep last year and needed to rein it in. But um, it, it's not, it, even though he has that, it's not necessarily because of his arm talent. The arm talent is more useful in feeding the you know tight windows. It, it's honestly it's useful scrambling. in the red zone. Yeah, it's it's being able to throw the ball on the run. It's all of that stuff. So just to put that out there in terms of when we oh. talk about like arm talent, deep passing, and all of that. I'm glad you did because like when I think of arm, like so I separate arm, like when I evaluate, I separate arm talent from arm strength. Like I, like Locke clearly has better arm strength than Bridgewater. I would say Bridgewater's arm strength is probably hovering around solid. So like a little bit better than average. Um, Locks is very good. Probably upper third of the league. 
arm talent, and this is like Bridgewater's arm talent's decent. Like he's pretty good at throwing on the move because he does a really good job resetting and getting his body back around to throw accurately. Lock, that's an issue. Like like in terms of the accuracy and the platform, the off-platform accuracy. But in terms of like his ability to throw from multiple arm slots, it's very good. And that's again, like that's one of those things that like everyone's looking for in today's NFL. And that's like again, like you look for that with Mahomes, like that was one of the things that people were going nuts over with uh, Zach Wilson is the fact that he can throw from multiple, yeah. multiple arm slots yeah. and, and Locke can do that. So like, that's what I think of. Um, and I, again, I would say that Locke's arm talent is better than Bridgewater's, but if he doesn't fix the off platform, like accuracy and like resetting his feet, it's not going to matter. And like that's, and then, and to me, that's where this stuff with Peyton Manning really starts to come in because again, I, I, I get a lot of flack for this. I got this last year. Like people made a huge deal about the fact that he talked to Peyton Manning on the phone. And I was like, oh, great. That's awesome. I talked to my brother on the phone. <laughs> so, I mean, like, and, and again, like that's not what happened this year. But like when we first started seeing the reports about, oh, Peyton Manning is meeting with Drew Locke. I was like, okay, but like what's actually happening? And everybody blew it out. Like not everybody, but a certain segment of Broncos country blew it way out of proportion like Peyton Manning and Drew Locke were meeting every single day to like go over film. And again, that's not what happened. Uh, the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran wrote about it and they met, what was it, eight to 10 hours? And again, that's, uh, and I'm not yeah, trying it, it to say- like a, It was like a day long film session. And again, like that's a big deal. It's better than zero hours. Like I'm not saying it's, I, I just want to approach this with the idea that like, let's kind of approach it with a level head. Like he, he met him for eight to 10 hours. Yeah, well, I, I think too. I I agree with you. I think the level-headed approach to this is it shouldn't be overstated, but you also can't understate. Yes. Like I would kill for eight to ten hours yes. with Peyton Manning, right? And I think any quarterback would. And so, from Drew Locke's perspective, like he's done all the right things. Like yes. go go study with Peyton Manning if he opens his door to you, and go watch film with him for for eight hours. You know, as, as long as he'll have you, and fill up a notebook, right? But I do think it's like. It's not a magic and a toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. It's not a magic bullet though, and we know this just from. I mean, the reason that guys like Brady and Manning aren't minting out Hall of Fame quarterbacks from their quarterback rooms throughout their careers is it's hard to do what they do, and it's not like sitting and watching them is just not enough. I mean, Brock Osweiler sat under Peyton Manning for three years, or however long he was he was there under. Uh, I think it was four, right? I and. I, oh, I, I remember reading a post by Nikki Javala back when like Trevor Simeon was just getting a starting job about how Trevor Simeon was a rookie quarterback three when Peyton Manning was in his last year. And on like the, I want to say it was like the first or second day Manning basically looked at him and was like, you need to start taking notes and don't stop taking notes or something like that. And so like Trevor Simeon sat in film rooms with Peyton Manning going over film for an entire season. And he's still a quarterback three in the NFL. So like, and again, I'm not saying that Drew Locke is doomed by this, but I'm just saying, like, let's not, like, let's not blow it way out of proportion, like you said. Yeah, but I do think the more interesting piece or part of that piece, and it was a really good piece mm -hmm. um, from from the Post, was what Peyton Manning had to say about Drew Locke and his um, the circumstances that he faced last year, because it was a you know, massive story within Broncos country. It was talked about nearly every week after every loss. It was, you know, Drew Locke talked about it a lot. He talked about it this off season of how glad he is to have a full off season and all of that. So it's this kind of weird mix of, 
I feel like it has been overstated and it's been used as an excuse to some level for, for, for people. But it's also, I don't know that you can overstate it because a guy like Peyton Manning just came out and said, look, this is important. And, and he, you know, he even admits like he's going to root for quarterbacks. And so he's always going to, you know, look at it from a quarterback's perspective. Like this is a big deal. Like he, he, as a guy with prepper, it, it's Peyton Manning. Like, he wants to squeeze out every hour out of every day and you tell him that you're going to take away some of his ability to get with his receivers or to, to you know, learn the offense and all of that. Of course, that's a big deal. And so I, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, but I do think that like Peyton Manning saying it somewhat validates the fact that, yeah, this is real. Like we've all known this. We've all like you and I talked about this a lot yeah. leading up to the OTAs of how would this affect Drew Locke? But I don't know how much it, you know, I don't think George Payton's factoring that in that much. I think it's, it is what it is at this point, And Drew Locke has to perform, you know? Well, and, and one of the things is like, and you and I have both kind of like received this. And again, I get, I get it. And I think it's fair to some extent because I am very critical of Drew Locke. But like one of the things that I was really critical last year is using that, those excuses just because like, it felt like a big portion of Broncos country basically just wanted to say last year didn't matter because like that happened. When again, I just said Teddy Bridgewater went through something very similar. Justin Herbert went through something similar. So like, I do think you need to be able to separate like what actually happened and what is like a valid, like reasons for performance and what are excuses. And I do think that all those things are valid, but I also think beyond those things, Drew Locke had issues that were like were issues and I and I don't necessarily think that those things were tied to the OTAs or the like that stuff and then again that's why I remain skeptical about him going into this year but that's that I am also very open to the idea that all those things that happened were serious enough that he could surprise us and be an outlier development quarter in year three and I and I again I'm rooting for it I hope that happens I'm just not going into this thinking it's definitely going to happen and I and I and there's a certain segment of coverage for the Broncos that's really pumping that up. And I'm just like I'm trying to be as realistic about this as possible. Yes, I hope that he takes this huge jump that we thought he was going to take last year. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's fair to him or anybody else to count on it. So I just think and we I, have to try and approach it and wait and see. And I think that's you know it's very indicative. I think Denver. I think Broncos fans as much as you know, at times we want to criticize the front office or I like, I, I very much bristle at the, Oh, just trust the experts kind of thing. Right. This is, I think it's, this I think is it's our bullshit. Right. Yeah. This is our job to criticize these, these guys. And if they, if you always just trusted the experts, like there's teams that show up and don't win a game, right. There's teams yep. that are picking top. You- I mean, Denver, Denver's picks top 10 in the draft. Right. So there's clearly some issues going on, but I will say this, I think Denver Broncos fans can can take some of their cues of how they should feel about Drew Locke and the quarterback situation by how the front office is, feels about it, right? It, I think the front office has taken a very measured and safe or um, like guarded approach to Drew Locke is like, look, if he wants to blow us out of the water, we're going to let him. We're going we're gonna to give him a shot to prove that last year was a fluke, that all those things that people are saying, you know, were affecting him. We're going to give him a shot to do that. We're not going to bank on it. We're going to hedge our bets by bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. Some people, some people think, you know, 
they could have hedged their bets even more by drafting a quarterback. But then you, you also have the Aaron Rodgers stuff too. So, I mean, Denver's not sold on Drew Locke. And so I think Broncos fans could probably follow kind of the, the party line, if you will, of just what the Broncos front office is doing well, and land pretty close to middle of the road on this, right? Well, and I think that's like George Payne essentially, like when we look back on like how, how the whole offseason played out, essentially he said, I'm going to give Drew Locke a fair chance to prove uh, that he's made the jump, but I'm not going to ignore like a top tier guy. And, and again, like you and I have talked about this a few times, like I think it was a smart approach of like, hey, our fallback plan is Drew Locke and hoping that he develops, but we're not going to count on it. Like we're not. And again, I disagree with some of the people they passed on. And again, like that doesn't necessarily mean I'm like, as of right now, yeah, I feel that way. But like, I hope, I hope George Payton was smarter than I am. Like, I do think like his approach makes sense. I just don't necessarily agree with all of it. And, and as far as Bridgewater goes, if he was going to give Drew Locke a fair chance to prove that he can make it, I think Bridgewater made a ton of sense. First of all, he only cost a six round pick. I love that. Like, it didn't cost the Broncos basically anything to really acquire him. And he can actually play. Like, this isn't Nick Foles. Like, Nick Foles is garbage. Like, if, if the Broncos would have traded for Nick Foles, I would have been, I'd still be blasting George Payton about it. Because I think it would have been a bullshit <laughs> handing Drew Locke the job. And I don't think Bridgewater does that. If Drew Locke gets the job, he's at least hovering around league average. And again, like, if he's league average after this year, the Broncos will probably look at, see if they can get a better quarterback. But it's still giving him a chance. And if he fails that, let's say Teddy Bridgewater lives up to the hype. He's about the 16th ish best quarterback. Knowing that the Broncos may actually keep him as a bridge for a, a new guy next year. They could do that. And yeah. to your point with what you said about Manning and how he said he roots for quarterbacks in that piece on the, at the post Manning did say no one else seems to be reporting this. You and I talked about it. He did say, I like Bridgewater. Like I would bring him in too. So like if, if Teddy Bridgewater is re-signed and brought into and kept in Denver next year, there's a decent chance we hear about Peyton Manning meeting with him or talking with him or whatever with him. So like, I don't think, I don't think Manning has a clear rooting interest in this either. I think he just wants the best situation for Denver. Yeah. And he said that in, in the piece too, as well, of just like, he's always tried since he lives in Denver to be a resource to whoever mm -hmm. is, Denver's quarterback and so I mean you know I'm, there's probably even a scenario that if if Bridgewater does win the starting job that he's calling Peyton up maybe even during the season or whatever right yeah. um and and getting tips and and doing all of that and so, and so sorry I, I just like and so like my whole point in all this because again I I think we're on the like the precipice of a very ugly quarterback battle in terms of like how it's going to get covered how it's going to get discussed how it's and it's just like it's just realistic. Like you kind of look ahead, you can kind of see it already starting to brew. My whole thing is, and like for those of you listening, I hope you kind of try and take this to heart. Like at the end of the day, like we're all going to be rooting for the Broncos anyway. So like, don't go and attack somebody just because they they like Locke and you don't believe in him, or don't attack somebody just because they like Bridgewater and you like Locke. Like who cares? Like at the end of the day, if that quarterback is winning games, we're all going to be happy. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's that's really what Denver is after at this point is who gives us the best chance to win starting week one because they're gonna need they're gonna need to do that. Let's Man. be honest. And the other thing too is, I think 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the, the young weapons that they have. Like last year, there was this whole, the whole thing was around like how young the team was. Like they were, it was a super young offense. Like they have they've, you know, completely cleaned house and brought in an entire new offense. I think that offense and that young core deserves stable quarterback play as well. And so I think there's from George Payton and probably Vic Fangio's perspective and Shermer as well is like, we've got to be able to, if we're going to evaluate these guys moving forward, if we're going to, you know, give them what the the right type of development, we've got to have some type of stability in place on the offensive side because it ripples out so much. You've got, a first round pick that you've invested in Jerry Judy. You've got a first round pick that you've invested in Noah Fant. Like you need to see those guys become what you hope that they can. And they're not going to do that if you don't have the best possible option playing at the quarterback position. And so I think that's really the, the going to be the goal coming out of this off season is, you know, and this is where I get critical of the front office is it's very myopic to this year, which, you know, if you're, if you've got your, I agree. If you're putting your realist hat on, it's like we're they're probably not going to make a some type of big playoff run this year unless something you know drastically changes at the quarterback position and Aaron Rodgers acquires or Drew Locke just really takes off. I think best you know probably best case realistic scenario is they win some games and they finish above 500. I think that's a positive step yeah. in the right direction, right? But that's probably where Denver's working towards, at least this year, just to get out of the the bottom of the barrel that they have been. And I and I want to say that, like, I have been very critical of passing on Justin Fields, in part because I do think that what is going to happen when, and again, we'll probably get to this in a later episode, but you look at the Broncos' schedule, I would be very disappointed if they do not find a way to at least get on the win, like a winning record. And... But at the same time, like you said, barring a drastic jump from Locke or Bridgewater really surprising with the weapons he has and the system he has now, the Broncos are probably looking at maybe winning a play- one playoff game, maybe, if they get a good matchup. Like, I don't think they're going to – like, as of right now, even looking at the roster, the quarterback position will probably end up limiting them against the upper, t- upper tier of the AFC. And that's just realistic. Like, I'm not trying to, like – I'm not rooting for that. But, like – then you look at the way the rest of the roster is built. They have a one-year window essentially with a lot of these players. So like, to me, it does kind of feel like it may have been a missed opportunity to really push your cards in now. And again, Peyton's looking at the long view. He might find this to be better to do it this way, but that's where I'm at as a fan is I, that's why I want the Rogers trade. Because I think if you add Rogers, this is a Super Bowl team. Like this is going to be a team pushing barring injury pushing into the AFC championship game. And again, if things go their way, they're in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think they, you have to do that if that opportunity is there. Like that's the entire reason you're in sports. If you're working in sports. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and we'll probably get this again later on as we go. There's a lot of 
lot of time between now and next year, but next year is probably going to be a bit of a reset year for the Broncos, both yep. at the quarterback position, depending on what happens and across a lot of the spots on the roster. And so it is a really interesting spot just from like a franchise building standpoint for a guy like George Payton of what do you do in a year like this, where like, in barring some major moves from either of the two guys you have right now, it, it doesn't feel, I, I don't have a ton of confidence. I'll just, I'll just speak for myself. Right. I don't have a ton of confidence that the, long-term answer at quarterback is currently on Denver's roster. Same. And so at that point, you're trying to squeeze out as much as you can out of the options you had available, right? If you're George Payton, you showed up, you had Drew Locke on the roster already. Teddy Bridgewater was available. And the other guys were too expensive. You explored some other options. They were too expensive. And so you're squeezing out whatever you can out of those two guys. And you're resetting at the quarterback position next year. It's probably what's going to happen realistically, if, if you're not doing the Rogers trade or something like that. And so you're resetting at the quarterback position and then you're resetting at a lot of positions on the defensive side yep. where veterans or contracts are expiring. You're looking for a starting right tackle. And so again, not to get too far down the road because this season hasn't even started, but it's just, it's a really interesting year for the Broncos because you're kind of in win now mode but you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> and so usually usually teams that are in win now mode is they're trying to maximize the window that they have, you know, a quarterback on a rookie deal or a quarterback who's aging out or something like that. The Broncos are in a weird position where their roster for about this year probably is in the best win now position they have and they don't have a really a, a quarterback to complement that. So it's going to be kind of an odd an odd year this year I think well, if they don't aren't able to make a massive splash and go get Aaron Rodgers. To me, it makes a lot of the other position battles really interesting too, because if the Broncos are really trying to maximize like as many wins as they can this year, some of these position battles won't necessarily just go down to the guy who's promising. It's going to come down to who can actually contribute on offense, defense, or special teams, or, you know, a mix of it. And one of the things that Peyton's mentioned, like, like when he signed Mike Boone, one of the reasons Mike Boone was so appealing is that not only was he a, a player who could play as a running back, but he offered something to special teams and like Philip Lindsay in his mind did not. Um, and I think that that kind of thing will matter because again, the Broncos have been bad at special teams for a long time. Um, so like, again, not to, not to like bore you to death. Cause like some of these positions aren't necessarily going to be exciting, but I think it, it is going to be stuff that comes up in camp. Who's going to be our long snapper, Joe. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> we've, we've got the next hey. half hour carved out for that discussion. I mean, I'm just saying though, Sam Martin, I think Sam Martin versus Max Duffy could be a competition, like a, a legitimate <laughs> one. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bore you to death with why Sam Martin is probably in trouble, but I think it could be a cost cutting maneuver because cutting him opens up 1.8 million in cap room. And so, like, if Max Duffy is, like, comparable as a punter, I could see them doing that. Uh, but, like, wide receiver five and six, like, obviously, like, yeah, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Kamler, and Patrick Arden probably not going anywhere, barring injury. But after that, like, you have Deontay Spencer, who is essentially a returner who moonlights on offense and with a very limited set of plays. And then you have, like, 106 foot three or taller guys that Peyton has made sure to get. <laughs> so, like, and again, like, if you look at, Rogers roster with the Packers, like they have a lot of size at receiver, but also that benefits Drew Locke because Drew Locke likes to 
chuck it deep. And the thing, and again, like one of the understated parts of like the deep ball is how basically if you're just throwing a moonshot, about 50% of coming down with that comes down to the receiver being able to get under the ball and win at the catch point. So having guys who can win at the catch point is important. Yeah, and I like a guy like Seth Williams for that too. I mean, I Me thought too. he had some really good on his tape in college. I, th- I thought he was a really good um, red zone threat. I thought he did some really good things from with the 50-50 balls. And so I think he makes some sense as well. So, I, I mean, I think it'll be interesting those positions – Will, will shake out. But, I, you know, like you said, those guys probably won't be seeing a lot of snaps anyway because they, Denver, yeah. Denver is pretty deep in those positions. So you mentioned two positions yeah, that yeah. you think are starting, like starting level. I'm going to put that in quotations because, you know, there's some that there's on rotations. And, yeah. you know, we're talking – when we say starting, we're talking, you know, 50% of snaps, right? Yep. So so I'll give you my two. Are, yeah, what are those two positions? And I'll give you mine. Right tackle, obviously. Uh and, I, and again, like, I have actually watched Bobby Massey at length. I think I watched five games of Bobby Massey, and then I ended up watching five or, five or six games of Cameron Fleming because I was enjoying one of them. Um, I and, I and I think Calvin Anderson is also going to get a lot of pub. And I know Fangio at his press conference this week mentioned Quinn Bailey. First of all, I don't think Quinn Bailey is going to really factor into it unless, like, he really surprises. Um, I, I get that, like, the coach has to mention that. Um, I also... And again, I'm not trying to hate on him, but like I would be surprised if Kelvin Anderson wins this job because based on what I've seen from last year, like he has to take a pretty noticeable jump to really improve over the two veterans. And the fact is, like the Broncos signed two veterans, not just one. So they kind of like locked him out in terms of that. Like the reps are going to be tight. Um and it comes down to like kind of what the Broncos running game is going to do versus like what they're looking for in a pass game. But, like, I think Cameron Fleming is much, much better for the Broncos' gap scheme. Um, he's he's far stronger at the point of attack. He's really good at uh, down blocks. He he He's not necessarily great in pass pro versus, like, wide nine rushers. Like, he's not super, super quick to get to his set points. But he's he's got really good grip strength, and he's able to make up for it. Like, and also, he's just a bully. Like, he's, like, an, he's a mean SOB. I wrote that down in my notes. The big issue with Fleming is if, if the people are going to run games at him, he like his, his brain like locks, like not always, but it happens enough that it's a, it's a notable weakness. If you're rushing at him with two rushers, there's times he won't block either of them. Like he won't know who to decide on. And he'll just let them both go. And it's like, I don't know how you, again, Munchak might fix that. But like when I watched last year's tape, like that is all, like it was a huge concern of mine at the same time though. If Munchik can fix that, I think he's a clear choice over Bobby Massey. Um, Bobby Massey is best in like a zone running game. And again, the Broncos ran zone, like I want to say 53% of the time last year. So like there's room for that, but he's he's not very strong. Um, I would say he has like adequate play strength. Like, so he's a little bit below average. He's tall. Like I want to say he's 6'8". So like people can get up underneath him. And also his punch isn't always good. So like if he misses a punch, he's on skates and he'll get pushed back into the quarterback. And again, I just I, I think those things will end up hurting him enough, unless Fleming's like brain lock thing just completely hurts him out of like pass pro. Uh, the other one to me, and again, I think I think it's I might be hating on Lloyd Cushenberry here, but the fact that the Broncos drafted Quinn Miners in the third round to me is a sign that the the Broncos are open to benching Lloyd Cushenberry. And again, I think it comes down to like what they're going to try and do in the running game. 
if they're moving to more gap scheme, I think that's going to help Quinn Miners. Yeah, I mean, that, those were the two positions that I had too. I think, and, and it's interesting that they're all they're coming on the offensive line, and the other one's a quarterback, and so it's potentially an interesting recipe when you have those three kind of positions all along the offensive side kind of up for grabs. But defense, when you look across the roster, feels pretty solid. I mean, you maybe yeah. have guys vying for additional snaps on the defensive line, maybe, yep. you know, with um, with McTelvin Aguim or something like that. Um, maybe some guys at corner stealing some fifth corner snaps or something, or if somebody gets hurt. I think the two safeties are interesting, the two young safeties – I'd love to see how they incorporate them. Um, I think one of them, um, Jamar Johnson, he played a little nickel, I think, in yep. Indiana, uh, or kind of like a hybrid role. And so, you know, he'll be interesting to see what they do. But really, you know, that's all depth stuff that will probably get talked about in camp. And then, barring injury, I, don't, I think we'll just see a starting group that will just lock in for Denver on de the defensive side which is really interesting. Like they'll have, I think they'll have a ton of continuity and a really solid defensive roster. So I think the battles are going to be all at the, all on the offensive side. And you have running back in there too, potentially. I yeah. think of, I mean, I, I could see um, Javante Williams stealing some snaps from Melvin Gordon. If Melvin Gordon is streaky, like we've seen from him where he looks great one week and then he looks like he's running through mud the next week. And so a lot. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do got to say, and I agree with you. Uh, the The thing that really interests me with the defensive battles is the numbers game. Because the Broncos have so many corners who can probably play. And again, I'm not saying all of them are good. But, like, in the past, the Broncos tend to carry 10-ish DBs. And you look at the numbers at safety, they have five safeties and they have, I want to say, like, 100 corners. <laughs> And, and again, like, we're already talking about Patrick Sertan looking like a starter, and I'm not surprised at all because I kind of thought he was going to be that guy. Um, it's interesting that, and again, I don't think they're going to, but, like, they could free up a little bit over $7 million if they cut Bryce Callahan or move him. Um, and I'm not saying they should. I hope they don't. But, like, that might be a numbers game that Peyton might decide he's going to save some money on. Um, because you look at the rest of the cornerback room, Ojemudie last year was starting. Um, Duke Dawson has started and played in quite a few games. Granted, he's coming off injury. Sang Bassi. Um, and then you kind of look later. They got Kerry Vincent, who is probably a practice squad guy. Parnell Motley is probably hurting to get on the on the field. McLean is probably a practice squad guy if he makes it. But like, but there's a lot of numbers there. And I do think if the Broncos are going to incorporate more dime looks this year, and I do think that they probably will, they may end up carrying an extra corner or safety to make make that work. Yeah, I think a safety for sure. Just when you look at the roster with what they have, it makes sense at the at the safety position because you just drafted two guys. I mean, they are they are fifth round draft picks, granted, but I don't think you draft those two guys and then cut one of them in camp unless you know they, something happens or they're not looking good. But from all accounts, right now, I mean, Justin Simmons had really good things to say about both of them, and then Big Fangio said you know they seem to be doing well at least so far. And so I think you want to see what you have from those guys, and then. You've obviously got Simmons and Jackson, and then you've got guys that played last year as well that put in a, a decent amount of snaps. You have Trey Marshall, um, who you know I think is is probably a, a pretty safe lock to make the roster too. And so that's five at the safety position. Yep. Well, and the, and the thing is, like, even if the rookies aren't ready, 
you can't really cut them and hope they, to stash them on the practice squad because someone's going to pick them up on waivers. So, yeah. like, essentially the Broncos have locked themselves into probably having to carry both those safeties, whether they're ready or not. So if Trey Marshall or P.J. Locke outplay them, they'll probably have to carry five safeties, and then they have to try and steal a number from somewhere else. So it's, it's, it's just the numbers game is going to be really fascinating, even if, like, once the games start, we probably forget about it altogether. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a lot as we get closer to your point on, on yeah. cut, cut downs are coming up. So that's a future topic. But those are the things I think, you know, as we as we wind down here, I think to me the the big we, – we've hit on the big three camp battles to be paying attention to. And obviously quarterback is going to be the one that's going to be the most covered. I think right tackle is going to be the next one. It, I, I do think that it's interesting. Right tackle may – be, end up being billed as a big camp battle, but I agree with you. If Cameron Fleming is, you know, is able to come through, it may be more of a foregone conclusion, and Fleming just gets the start. It's less of a battle than we thought it would be, and maybe center becomes more of a intense battle than right tackle. You know, that could be a curveball potentially within the upcoming camp. I, I mean, I'm rooting for it because if 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 Munchik can fix Cameron Fleming's like brain lock thing mm-hmm. versus stunts. I feel like he's a clear he's the clear cut winner. Um, again, he's gonna have bad matchups. Like he he had issues with twitched up guys and guys who are really long will give him some issues. But again, like you're signing this guy off the street after the draft. Like you go into this expecting those kind of things to be the case. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But that's the kind of state of the roster. You know, as it were, we're all on Aaron Rodgers' lot watch right now, and we'll see what happens there. Did, but like, did they trade for him yet? <laughs> quick check check twitter watch this watch this we're going to record this pod on the second we're going to make all these jokes and then freaking tomorrow morning before we drop yep. this they're going to sign him and we're going to just have to record re-record the whole thing that's that's, if that's I, what I wanna, happen. i'm gonna get ahead of that if that happens and you guys are still listening to the very end message me because you guys get a prize because like because <laughs> that's amazing and also i appreciate you guys but no, like, I mean, again, I hope it happens. I would love to root for a Super Bowl team. It'd be really cool to cover a Super Bowl team. I joined Mile High Report after the Trevor Simeon War, so I have never actually gotten to write about a good quarterback on the Broncos. Wow, wow. Yeah, it hurts. And so, like, when people say that I suck, it's like, dude, like, I've been covering bad quarterbacks, watching, like, hundreds of hours of these guys. So, like, yeah, I want a good quarterback. Like, I want it to be Drew Locke. I want Chetty Bridgewater. Anybody. I don't care. I just want them to not look like crap. So... Let's root for that. If it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron Rodgers. If it's Drew Locke, it's Drew Locke. If it's Teddy Bridgewater, heck, if it's if it's Brett Rippon, I'm all for it. But I hope he's good. <laughs>